Make sure you get in your submissions this week for our WGT challenge at Kiwa Island, hole number four. Go to freewgt.com, download the app, head over to the game mode section, go to closest to the hole, head over to Kiwa Island, play the first three as a warm-up, and then screenshot how close you got on hole number four. And whoever got the closest is going to win a t-shirt from dnvrlocker.com. And of course, just for playing, you're going to get an entry into our grand prize drawing, which is your choice of a jersey or tickets to a game. So make sure you go to freewgt.com and play today. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. And everyone knows that this is presented by Strava Craft Coffee because Strava Craft Coffee is what caffeinated the Broncos offense to score <laughs> a impressive 16 points. And as I told you guys before the podcast, that's 15 more than they needed. <laughs> and Strava Craft Coffee is going to help them recover the next few days, which they're going to need as they have a short week against the Chiefs. Yeah, they're going to need lots of coffee. Uh, after a, a long game today and a short turnaround for the rest of the week. And we're going to as well, so shout-out to Strava Craft Coffee. And go use the code DNVR20 for 20% off your order of this beautiful CBD-enriched coffee. Well, boys, two in a row. And it's funny because we talked about this game as if it was going to happen all week. And, and there were moments throughout the week where I'm like, we are, we are talking about this way too much as, as a foregone conclusion. But I woke up this morning and I said, nope, double-digit win. And here we are. You were sweating it at the end, though, weren't you? Uh, the Titans are driving. Now they need a two-point conversion, of course. So that helped you out because that gave you another 47% chance if they get the touchdown anyway. So you were probably looking at a good solid uh, 75% chance there yeah. if, uh, uh, when they were driving of getting out with your prediction intact. I was uh I was start, I started counting points for sure at the end. I'm like, <laughs> all right, if they get the touchdown, they missed the two two point conversion, that's still a double digit victory, but there we go. Uh four predictions in a row for me, but that doesn't matter. Ooh. Who cares about that other than everyone? Other than other than to lead the show with it. Yeah, I mean, it's not that important. It's just You're simply giving the Broncos a mark to shoot for. Yes. Four in a row. Right? If exactly. they get four in a row, they're right back in this thing. Yes, they used to play Connect Four in the locker room, and I always said, oh, I'm going to do a story about it when they connect four. <laughs> Problem is they just never did. <laughs> They've never done that since I've been covering the team. And connect Four is no longer in there, is it? No. No. Uh -uh. Wow. Maybe it's because they connected four losses way too many times <laughs> while I was in there. <laughs> Anyways, good vibes. Uh, the Broncos win another one, and, and by far their best performance of the season. They made Marcus Mariota look like, I don't know, Marcus Mariota, I guess. Uh, but they made him really be, uh, you know, a one-dimensional player, which is what we had been talking about was the key for this game all along. Zach, what were your main takeaways? That Marcus Mariota is bad. He is not good. And that this Broncos defense is starting to form and morph into the defense that we thought it was going to be. And, boy, does it look good. And let me remind you, 
that this is with two starters who were not starters on this team just a few weeks ago. No one around the league had ever really heard of these guys. Uh, Only diehard fans have heard of Alexander Johnson and Mike Purcell. And you're starting a cornerback who uh, was cut at the beginning of this year and that you picked up um, off of waivers. You were starting him because you were down, what, three corners pretty much? So an incredible job by this defense as a whole and props to Vic Fangio for putting it all together back to back weeks now. Yeah, I mean it's uh it's really, really impressive for Vic Fangio because he's finally kind of got his his vibe. He's got his formula. He figured it out. You know, if this defense can take the runaway, then they can be a really great defense. And you saw that happen uh, you know, last week against the Chargers. You're seeing it happen again uh this week and they hold uh, Derrick Henry to 1.9 yards per carry, 15 carries for 28 yards. You do that, you're going to win uh, every week pretty much in, in this league. So um, really impressive. Mace, what, what, what did you take away? Well, this defense has transformed with personnel changes. And I know Vic Fangio in his postgame press conference talked about how they were embarrassed in that second half against the Jaguars back in week four and that – the motivation from that embarrassment's fueled them for the last couple of games, and I think it's helped, but you have to go to the personnel because Mike Purcell is a much stouter presence at nose tackle than Shelby Harris was. Shelby is at his more natural position there at defensive end, and Alexander Johnson just brings an energy that the defense had completely lacked in those first four games. He's in the huddle, and he's squawking like a raptor. Ah! Ah! <laughs> I think it's more like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> It depends who you ask. So it sounds, yeah, like, it sounds like the 49ers yeah. blow horns? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or fog horns, whatever they're called. <laughs> but they've, they've got a swagger and an attitude on that side of the ball that they haven't had in the last two seasons. You have to go back to 2016 to find a moment when the defense was feeling it like it has in the last couple of games and doing so with all the injuries at cornerback uh, without Bradley Chubb out there. Malik Reed continues to hold his own off the edge. It's remarkable. And the other thing is you're seeing guys who can help you for the long term emerge. I love seeing what Demarcus Walker has done the last couple of games. Would you say that Walker's played his way onto the lifeboat? Ooh, wow. Uh, I would say that he has one of those little rings right now. (laughs) (laughs) So he's got some help. Yeah, like he's floating in the water. Um, They haven't officially allowed him onto the lifeboat yet. Another slowly thing, pulling yeah. him in, slowly. Hopefully, it's him not in. like the Titanic where like the water is so freezing that he'll die <laughs> oh soon. Gosh, yeah. um, but I, I think he definitely he has a flotation device. He's not on the boat quite yet. I like the level of thought you put into this. Thank by the way, you. very impressive. So, do you think he's on the lifeboat? I think he's close to it, because what has this defense lacked the last couple of years? Interior pass rush punch. That's what he was drafted to bring until they got the dumb idea under duress because of injuries to move him to outside linebacker back in 2017. And that really that put him a year behind and really two years behind. No one, I would say, has benefited more from the coaching change in terms of the trajectory of his career than Demarcus Walker. Because let's say he finishes the season with six to eight sacks in a rotational role on the interior. You do that. Then after year four, if you carry that forward for another season, you're cleaning up on the market. And if the Broncos like enough, like him enough, he's hopefully cleaning up in Denver. Because that skill set, that interior pass rush set, it's so daggum hard, hard to find. 
but it's essential if you're going to break down some of these quick, th- these quick, decisive, quick throwing passers. I mean, today was all about getting pressure from the interior. I mean, it was pressure everywhere, yeah. but you saw what happens when Derek Wolf starts getting through, when Shelby Harris is getting through, when Demarcus Walker is getting through. It makes it impossible. Even for a guy like Marcus Mariota, who is, uh, you know, pretty fleet of foot, it's just not, you know, it's not, uh, you can't escape up the middle no. when there's guys creating pressure that way. Real quick, since we are live, breaking news is a little bit more uh, essential on this podcast. Um, James Palmer, our friend from NFL Network, says that Emmanuel Sanders, while he didn't finish the game because of a knee issue, it doesn't appear to be serious. Um, not much concern right now, even with a short week. So, we had just been talking about before the podcast started how if you take him out of this offense, it, it's going to be tough sledding for the wide receivers. If they get him back, that's that's huge. And come on, you, you can't lie and, and cover this up with the initial feelings when you don't see anything happen. You, you All you do is hear that Emmanuel Sanders is out with a knee injury for the entire second half. That's that's scary, and, and I think everyone thought the worst, uh, understandably. But if he's back and, and he's okay, then that's huge because what would this offense be without Emmanuel Sanders? Ryan, we talked about it all of training camp, that he was maybe even more important than, than Joe Flacco to this offense. You have to have him. Uh, and now the past few weeks probably won't suggest that you have to have him. You won both weeks. And he had zero catches in the second half because he didn't play. And last week, he had one catch. But I still think he's crucial if you want to stack even more wins together. Yeah, that's that's the important thing here is I know a lot of people will say, why is it that big of a deal? He has a total of what? What do you have today? Zero, one right? target or one reception, three targets, no yards. So he has two ca- someone's, someone's out there saying he has two catches in the last two weeks. Yeah. But you, he instantly takes away the number one corner from the other team and allows you know Cortland Sutton to go out there and eat. So he's huge for this offense, and it's it's massive that they're going to have him back because Cortland Sutton certainly you know he had some opportunities last year and didn't exactly explode uh, when he was the number one wide receiver. And today, you know what was it? Two catches for twenty six yards after Emmanuel went out. So yep. they didn't do much on offense at all, to be honest. Um, but they did enough. And, you know, like I said, um, Cortland didn't blow you away when he was out there being the number one wide receiver. So was the offensive MVP of this game Colby Wadman, the punter? Eight pun- I mean, he was responsible for 401 yards today. <laughs> Eight punts, and he averaged over 50 yards a punt. I know Tom McMahon is going to be upset about the one touchback, but come on. You send him out there eight times. I think one touchback's okay. I'm actually giving the offensive MVP award to Royce Lindsay or Philip Freeman. Okay. Because Philip Lindsay, 75 yards from scrimmage, including a touchdown. Uh, Royce Freeman, 34 yards on the ground, not as productive there, but another 42 on five catches. So 75 from scrimmage for Phil, 76 from scrimmage for Royce. And when when you had that one drive that finally got going, that basically proved to be the knockout punch, the touchdown drive in the third quarter, you had Royce Freeman leading the way and then Philip Lindsay getting in the end zone at the end. So it's a buck 51 combined from scrimmage for the two of them. And with Emmanuel Sanders out, that was absolutely essential, especially also with Noah Fant continuing to struggle. It's two straight games that he's uh, uh, not delivered. Last week, the uh, leading receiver in terms of receptions, it was Cortland Sutton and Philip Lindsay. This week, it's Cortland Sutton and 
Royce Freeman. So the running backs, it doesn't matter. Pick your poison. They're in heavily involved in the pass game. Yeah, we thought uh, Checkdown Joe was going to love the tight ends up this year. It's really been the running backs instead, and, and most significantly Royce Freeman. I'm going to give my offensive MVP to the obvious, Brandon McManus. He scored the game-winning points on the very first drive of the game. It's a rare thing to do, but... Uh, you know, it was just such a powerful field goal that it was all that they needed after that. Well, and he made his first 50-yard field goal of the season, the 53-1. So, boy, that, that's got to be at least a little weight off his back. If he missed that one, uh, it would have changed the momentum of the game for sure. But it also would have become a thing. That would have been a narrative that Brandon McManus can't make from, after, uh, from over 50 yards. I believe he's only three for his last 10 from beyond 50, which in the NFL – you expect them to make pretty much anything under 55. And you're playing at altitude, so you probably get more chances. should be a little easier as well. That's what the argument would be from outside people. So, yeah, it's good to see him finally get on track this season from, from the deep. All right, guys, the Broncos and Titans played on this field right below us today. And uh, for our field maintenance lovers, they are currently rolling over the field with a, a roll like a rolling pin if a rolling pin was a piece of machinery <laughs> a huge thousands of pounds piece of machinery they're flattening out the field so anyways um broncos and titans played down there tonight which football team was talked about the most in the locker room mace i'm guessing it was not a team that was on this field today it was not it was a team that just lost its second consecutive game yep at home yep with an overrated quarterback and an overrated offense. Whoa, no, whoa, I'm just whoa, kidding. whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about an injured quarterback and a banged up offense and with some injuries on defense as well. A Kansas City Chiefs team that looks human the last fortnight. The last fortnight. Nice. That's good stuff. Thank you. Uh, Is that the word of the day? Word of the day. Fortnight. Two weeks, 14 days. Usually only hear it in terms of Wimbledon. Yes. They, oh, it's the Fortnite at Wimbledon, and Fort- I'm I'm bringing the Fortnite to the other fifty weeks of the year. No, that's not when you hear Fortnite. Fortnite. It's, Wrong spelling. <laughs> I'm talking about the original. I'm not talking about Paxton Lynch's favorite game. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> Paxton Lynch, one play away on the Sunday night football tonight. Although, yeah, they got Devlin Hodges. Steelers D already has a touchdown. Yeah. Appropriate. I'm, exactly. D Devlin. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and Devin Bush had a uh, turnover. So uh, you're going to make Bronco fans feel bad, especially with an interception going off of Noah Fant's back mm. this afternoon. Have you seen one of those ever, Mace? I've, I'm sure I've seen an one. Just thrown off someone's back. I'm sure I've oh. seen one. I just don't. It does, nothing pops to mind. So I remember mm. it might have even been in the Super Bowl. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think in Super Bowl 32. Um, a ball hit off the back of a defender and then off their foot and then right into the hands of Shannon Sharp. I kind of remember it pretty vividly. Uh, it could have maybe never happened, but I remember it vividly. <laughs> Let me ask you this. It's a little bit random, but I just had the abacus out. We were talking about the offense, and I'm going to double down on my Royce Freeman, Phil Lindsay co-MVP thing here. This season, they are averaging 162 yards from scrimmage per game. They're on pace for just under 2,600 combined yards from scrimmage between the two of them. How happy are you with that production? It's huge. Extremely. That's, that's massive. These guys are carrying the offense together. And I know we always want to see more Phil because he's more electric. But the fact that Royce Freeman more and more can spell Philip Lindsay 
and be effective in the passing game in relief of Phil, it can help this offense long term because if those two are interchangeable parts, even though they have different skill sets, but both can be used in the passing game, both can be used on runs up the gut, then you're not tipping your hand when you have one or the other in there. And it makes the offense more difficult to defend. You know what the best part about Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay splitting the snaps about 50-50 is? Zero percent of the snaps are going to Devontae Booker. <laughs> well, that's how it's been. Icy so. cold there, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, I had this tease that I was setting up. There was two teams on the field tonight. <laughs> but one who wasn't here was talked about the most. But before yeah. we talk about that team, uh, I want to give a shout-out to Breckenridge Brewery. So on Friday night, Lindsay Sauer, who is uh, our director of sales at DNVR, went over to Breck and in her very large SUV, and they just, like, packed in as much Breck brew as they possibly could into the back of her car. Strawberry Sky for days, United and Orange, Vanilla Porter, Sampler Packs, all of the stuff that we dream about on a day-in, day-out basis. They just packed it in there, and they said, go have a great tailgate. This morning... The squad gets to, to here at the stadium at like 7.30 to set up, and I would guess that we had upwards of 200 Breck brews. Oh, yeah. It was loaded. I headed into the stadium after about an hour of tailgating, 1.30, an hour before kickoff. We were fresh out of Breck brews. Out. Gone. The people came through at the tailgate. Shout out to everyone that we saw there. Uh, a bunch of awesome subscribers, some great conversations, taking pictures, having fun, cheersing, drinking Breck brews. But, man, the people did work on they the Breck brews. And you know why? Because they're damn good beers. Damn good beers. Damn good time. Damn good people. And that makes it so the beers go pretty damn fast. Damn good tailgate. So shout out to everyone uh, who was there. And, and uh, we'll be back on Thursday. So we'll see you there again. Lot N. Don't forget it. All right. We're moving on. Thursday night football. The Kansas City Chiefs. It's what we've been talking about. It's what I've been talking about. As, as soon as they beat the Chargers, this is all I've talked about ever since. <laughs> you, beat the, you beat the Titans, and all of a sudden, you have a chance to go three and four. And it's crazy that that's like some mile marker that's so important. But three and four with a win over the Chiefs is, uh, I mean – you're back in this thing. Like, you're feeling so confident moving forward, and you're pretty much right back into the mix in the middle of the AFC. You absolutely are, because then you'll only be, what, one game out of first place, essentially. Um, you'll only be one game behind Kansas City. It looks like uh, the Chargers are going to lose tonight, so you don't even have to worry about them. You also have um, the, uh, the Raiders, who... You get another shot at them at home later in the season. It's really, really crazy. And, Ryan, if you lose this game, then 2-5, and five, that's pretty impossible to come back from. So this game really is, if you want to make this season interesting, if you want to, to come back and convince everyone that, oh, wow, these Broncos are, are back, you win on Thursday night, you lose, okay, it, it's over. But this is part of being 0-4 at the start. You dig yourself this hole, and you can get some momentum, but the problem is 0-4 means you've got to be dadgum near perfect to get back into this race, and you can't afford to slip, and you've got to steal some games where people don't expect you to steal them, like Kansas City at home, because then after this, it's 
at Indianapolis. You get Cleveland at home, you should win that. But then Cleveland, at, man. at Minnesota, Your at Browns. Buffalo, <laughs> They'll figure home it out. for the Chargers, at Houston, at Kansas City. For the Broncos to have a chance at being in it, they have to pull off. I mean, they're gonna, it's going to be an upset. The Chiefs are going to be favored. They've got to pull off the upset. Otherwise, I can't see a path back to getting in the playoff race without this win Thursday night. Set the number. What do you think it's going to come in at? Six and a half? Maybe, and a half? maybe five just because of the Mahomes injury and the Chiefs losing two. Uh, you make a good point. I think it comes in at six and a half. Six and a half? What's yours? Five? I'm going five. Well, you're both wrong. Oh, it's already in? It's already in. The line is three Ooh. and a half. Ooh. That's too tight. That, they're That's giving tight. a lot wow. of credit to the 2-0 and Broncos and the 0-2 Chiefs in the past two weeks. Or, as we're saying, Fortnite, right? Yes, in the last <laughs> Fortnite. Well, how would you say that? In the in the last Fortnite? In in the in the last Fortnite, sure. Because okay. Fortnite is two weeks, so you'd use it interchangeably with two weeks. And in one Fortnite, the Broncos could have possibly – could possibly go from 0-4 to 3-4. I mean, in, in less than that, they've now played uh, two, they're 2-0 in the last seven days, and they're going to have another chance four days from now to get another win. I mean... 11 days you've turned around your season. That's pretty crazy. We could be... There could be a book one day. 11 days in in <laughs> in the fall 11 days in the fall or something like that about how it all turned 11 all days turned in October. Yes, 11 <laughs> actually I think there is uh There's a book called 7 Days in May. It's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> 11 about. days in October. <laughs> Me the per, uh, the big book guy. Um I think the the rocky like the rocktober was it 21 days i think it's called like 20 21 days yeah the, the video that they did after was called 21 days i think uh what was then known as uh fsn rocky mountain did a video shout out they had some really good like music that they played before the games <laughs> i missed that <laughs> and all this all this positivity and optimism and hope for the Broncos, probably has people thinking about hitting up the Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. So get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. And use the code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Yeah, I mean, we're pretty high on the Broncos right now. I would oh, say. <laughs> that was too easy. <laughs> oh, man, that locker room. It feels good to be in a winning locker room. I can't remember the last time I was. Well, let's trace it back. When was the last time the Broncos won a home game? That would be uh, last year against Pittsburgh. Shelby Harris with the end zone interception of Ben Roethlisberger. Shelby Harris basically breaking up the Big Ben-AB relationship. Yeah, it, it was all downhill from there for A.B. <laughs> it seriously wasn't. And here's the thing. Coming into today's game, the Broncos were 1-7 in seven in their last eight home games. I mean, just think about that. Everyone, including us, including the Broncos themselves, including all the fans, think that there's this great home field advantage being at mile high. And maybe there is, but what that tells you is, you need good teams in order to have good home field advantages. And it was kind of something that, that Vic also talked about in a different light, um, just about the confidence of this defense. And it seems like this defense is coming together, right? And so that question was posed to him, and he said, well, 
when you win, everything seems like it's coming together. So, no, I, he, he pretty much said, like, I, I, I don't necessarily know if everything clicked for the defense right now, but when you win, it looks better. And certainly, no, I mean. No, no, no. When it looks better, you win. <laughs> well, the other thing with the home field disadvantage as it had become over the last eight games, John Elway kind of addressed that on Friday. The quote that he had that jumps out to me is, was where he said, I think the hardest thing about losing is you get into a situation to where when something bad happens in a game, you say, here we go again, and that is a very tough thing to break. I think it's actually easier for players and coaches who have some semblance of control to get out of that, but I think fans and the negative energy that comes from a protracted period of losing, I think it's tougher for them to adjust and believe, and certainly in the stands, you'd noticed it in some of the last few home games, very much a notion of, here we go again when something starts to go wrong. And so correcting that is going to take a little bit of time. Today, I think it was a good first step to that. What was the quote? You have to avoid the here we go again mentality or something like that? The hardest thing about losing is you get into a situation where when something bad happens in a game, you say, here we go again. I think he actually said, yada, yada, yada. Here we go here that's we not. It's not the lyrics. <laughs> no. it, it would be. It would be White Snake, old school, right? Here I go again uh, on my own. Yeah, there we go. Going wow, down two, the only road we've ever known. Two wins now. Mace is singing. <laughs> What's gonna happen after three? Now you hope that they're You're not born to walk alone like a drifter. Yes. Well, okay. Um, you guys made me lose lose track of my mind. <laughs> oh, what he was saying was the Broncos have losing culture. Yes. Uh, that, he was just saying that in a, in a nice way, um, not as well articulated as Mace did, um, but we'll, we'll just pass by that. I, I, look, I know this as a, as a fan. I mean, the, my Atlanta Braves, they have a losing culture when it comes to the postseason. Something goes wrong, and their fans believe that the, that the bottom is about to fall out. I completely understand what he's getting at, and it's hard to snap that. The only, the only way out of it is to change the results. Yeah, Simple and, as that. And today was a really um, a really big step in the right direction for them, I think. There was many moments where we kind of all looked at each other in the press box and thought, here it could be. This could be it. You know, I think like on the first carry of the second half, Derrick Henry got five yards. <laughs> and a couple people next to us were like, and so it begins. <laughs> and I was like, that's a five-yard carry. Like, it's not that big of a deal. But, you know, if, if we're thinking that, you know that there's probably people on the sideline who have it in their the head. The moment that I thought it might be happening was at the end of the first half when you had the holding penalty on Ron Leary. You had Garrett Bowles called for holding, declined, and then kind of a box play, fumble, and they end up punting from out of their end zone, and it's not a great punt by a, a Coley Wadman, and the Titans are taking over at right around midfield. They have a chance to score, and it was at that moment that I thought things are starting to teeter here, and then Chris Harris Jr. got it back with a pick. But then you had the bad call, uh, the catastrophically bad call on that offensive pass interference penalty against Cortland Sutton at the end of the first half. And one of the things in the Broncos' run of losing has been some of it's on them, some of it is things happening to them, and it just felt like everything was starting to kind of co to combine a little bit, you know, basically a wave of misfortune, some from them, some from external factors, but they withstood that to their credit. Check this out, guys. In the entire game today, you know, you always say it's a game of field position. In the entire game today, there were zero, 
Zero scoring drives of more than 50 yards. For either team. For either team. Yep. Obviously, just the Broncos, I guess. Broncos field goal uh, on the first drive, eight plays, 32 yards. The next field goal they kicked, five plays, 50 yards. Uh, Then the touchdown was six plays, 41 yards. And the final field goal, eight plays, 49 yards. The entire game was decided on field position today. Wow. Wow. Which is why a punt was not a bad play. Right. And after the game, Joe Flacco said something along the lines of, like, we weren't great, but we did what we needed to do. And and that is true. But that is true. And that's something that Rich Gangarello has actually talked about the past few weeks of saying um, something along those lines of, we need to play complementary football. If that means punting, if that means putting our defense in good positions, our special teams in good positions, then then that's what we're doing and we're doing our job. It's also a nice way to, to play off a, a lot of poor performance on the offensive side of the ball. But 16 points typically won't win. But when you are constantly putting your defense in good positions and your team's built on, on defense, well, that's the formula that we've heard about. Well, I think we can get into this more as the week goes on. It's a good Titans defense, no doubt. And they brought it today for long stretches. But 10 of your 13 drives that didn't end in kneel downs had one or fewer first downs. One or zero. You're going to need to possess the ball. Uh, what was it today, Mace? 83 plays to 47 plays for the Texans? That's the advantage the Texans had. They had a nearly a 2-1 to one advantage in time of possession. It was reflected in the number of plays that they had. They got the ground game going, so I think the Broncos have some potential there with heavy doses of Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. But they have got to be able to play keep away. If their offensive production Thursday is like it was today, it doesn't matter that Patrick Mahomes is playing on bum ankles it doesn't matter he can play uh, with one leg yeah <laughs> the Chiefs will find enough offense to win yeah they're gonna score more than 16 points um, I can yeah. promise you that the Broncos their defense is playing well but this fir- this first run of consecutive games without allowing an offensive touchdown in a decade back-to-back games first time since September of 09 it's not going to become three Maybe that'll be my bold prediction next week. No. <laughs> that would be the boldest one I was going to say, just I, call I it boldest. Think, yeah. I, everyone everyone uh, said today was really bold. I had a lot of people in my mention saying, okay, now you've blown it. Too bold, too bold. <laughs> um, before we move on, you guys got to learn about drift car sharing. Uh, it's one of those things that feels like it's too good to be true, but it's not. What you do is you take your car to the airport, you leave it with them. Then when you get to wherever, whatever destination you get to, you go and find another drift car and that you'll take someone else's car, drive it around. And then when you get back, if someone took your car, you get paid for them taking your car. So you don't have to pay for parking. You actually got paid to park. And it was all insured with Allstate. And they cleaned your car and left it spotless, probably nicer than it was when you gave it to them in the first place. So make sure you check out Drift Car Sharing. It's a pretty sick deal. Uh, and yeah, uh, Zach. How was your trip to Vegas this weekend? No, oh, it it was it was great. I'm happy we're doing a uh, kind of an early evening podcast because I I don't even know what state I would be in for a late night podcast. Just so out of it. Dang, we really should have dragged this out <laughs> until like midnight tonight. We would have gotten weird, Zach. <laughs> I tell you what, I think my wife is happy about the change of schedule because if worst comes to worst, I can go home, wrap up my second story, and get to say goodnight to my daughter for tuck-in time at about 8, 39 o'clock tonight. This is going to work out pretty well, this new schedule. There you go. How about this? 
your Los Angeles Chargers <laughs> about to fall to the 2-4 and four record of you, the listeners, your Denver Broncos. So that means by tiebreak, the Chargers are a last-place team if they don't come back from 21 nothing down. Do the Chargers just suck? Yes. I've been saying it for years. <laughs> no, I mean not <laughs> suck because you hate them as a rival. Do they suck as a team? No, they just suck as a franchise. Well, I mean, that goes without saying because they went to L.A. where nobody wants them. As I mentioned today, I feel like the three games in L.A., you've seen more Broncos fans each time from year to year. Yeah, it's like a roll, It's like a snowball effect. Everyone's yeah. like, this is hilarious. Let's go take over there. You could, you could not tell if you didn't know. If you didn't see the logos, you would not know that they're at home tonight. And the other nope. thing, of course, Steeler fans, they have their towels. And when they've shown the, the stands after a big Steelers play, it looks like Pittsburgh with all the terrible towels twirling all over the stands. This is probably the most embarrassing visual yet for the Chargers, and I don't think they're done. I think they have Green Bay coming in in a few weeks. It's going to be even worse. This is how, how bad it is. I feel bad for Phillip Rivers. I do. That that he's stuck in this situation, stuck with that team. 16 road team games every so year. cursed. Exactly. Because he's a guy that loves the game, that puts his all oh into it. <laughs> Sorry. Was that a no. – did he throw a pick? He no, almost threw another pick. I mean, he's – such a bad throw. He's not – Just some guy named Chiquillo. <laughs> I, I covered his, his dad. That's how, old, that's how old I am and how long I've been around. I covered his dad in the Arena Football League. Wow. Is it? Did wow. I pronounce it right? Chiquillo. Chicolo. Chicolo. Kind of like uh, Gigolo. Yep. <laughs> I'm just a Chicolo everywhere I go. Oh, my God. Um, okay. So, the Broncos have gone from in the hunt for the number one pick to not even last place in the division in two weeks. And to, crazy enough, if they win on Thursday, they're in the hunt for the number one seed in the AFC West. <laughs> well, right, not, for, yeah. the, for the, the division the title. Division title. Yeah, no, yeah, number one place in the AFC West. Yes. Yeah, they'd be within, uh, what? Two games? They No, if they win on Thursday. Oh, yeah, they'd be with them one they, game. One they'd game of the Chiefs, and they would have the tiebreaker. Of course, they'd still have to go to Arrowhead in December. So let's not get carried away here about the possibilities there. I mean, I would say that 12-4 and four is a likelihood at this point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> if, they do, if they did do that, man. The story, we, 11 days in October. It would be better than Peyton Manning's 2012 run oh with the team gosh. now we're getting carried away here <laughs> hey gotta live uh, in the moment what was he was he 11 and 1 did they go on 11 and 1 stretch to finish what? the season in 2012 yep it was, it was 11 and 0 yeah or 11 they were 2 and 3 and it started with being behind 24 nothing at halftime yep. against these chargers who are currently fouling up america's flat screens screens with their ineptitude that was good thank you <laughs> um okay let's let's Start to set the stage before we get out of here for this Chiefs game. What is it going to come down to for the Broncos? Well, what's fun about this is the the Broncos, like you said, Ryan, are already ready for it. And the word that's being used specifically by Chris Harris Jr. is hyped. They are hyped. And this is 15 minutes after they play a very physical Titans team, and they're probably – bruised, banged up, and sore, and and Chris, Joe, Vic, everyone's saying, we're ready for it. Bring us the Chiefs. We can't wait to play them. That, first off, is pretty cool to hear. Man, if, I, if I'm if i a fan, I am so pumped to be at this game on Thursday night. Yeah, 
uh, I never even followed through on my tease there. <laughs> every single player I talked to, every single one, said, we're done talking about the Titans. We're on to the Chiefs. Yeah. Chris Harris Jr. announced it loudly in the locker room. They are so uh, – I mean, I kind of think they were thinking the way we were thinking. Um, now, Which is – Fine in hindsight, bad if they had lost. Right, but really bad if they had lost. <laughs> but they were looking ahead. But I yes. think they saw they saw the opportunity for three wins in eleven days, and as soon as they got this one out of the way, they're like, "Cool, move, time to move on to the next one," and and that's really cool thing. Is it does it mean anything? Who knows? They have such a big challenge ahead of them. They are catching the Chiefs in a weak moment, I think, and in a time where the Chiefs would really prefer a bye week more than anything right now. They're getting a short week. Um, if you had a chance to get them, it's now. But I also feel like Chiefs fans are probably somewhere saying, oh, thank God we play the Broncos this week. Well, let me ask you this, though. Obviously, the, the Chiefs would rather have a bye week so to get Patrick Mahomes at 100% or as close to that as possible. But you could also view it on the other side and say, oh, man, the Chiefs got to be so pissed right now. Two straight losses. They're going to be coming out on fire. Or you can look at it and say they're wounded right now. And not put them out because they're still going to be 4-3 and even if they lose on Thursday, but an opportunity to play a weaker team. Which one do you see it as? Well, the cliche is that the wounded animal is the most dangerous. I... Think about if the Broncos had lost two straight going into this game. We'd be talking talking about how they were mad. We'd be (laughs) be talking about how they were ready to go home for the season. We'd be talking about trading people Yeah, if they'd lost the last two. And as John Elway said, we're not trading anyone on our team or whatever he said. But they're, (laughs) look, they're not out of the woods yet. They're still deep in it. Oh, he said no one on on our side. Yeah. No one on our side is on the trade. I I gave him the benefit of the doubt, and I said, okay, I think you're saying side here, but – I think I listened I to that ten front. times. It was, uh, that was tough to make out. Anyway. Anyways, no. Uh, for now, no one's on the trade block, and that I mean, the I think about where this team has come from two weeks ago, and, and in the end, they're still two and four. But mentality-wise, look, we know that in that locker room after the Jaguars game, there were some some tensions that uh, boiled over. There were some shouting matches. There were uh, maybe th- even more than that. And Chris Harris Jr. makes a comment that Mark Kisla runs with in the Denver Post about how he, he's counting down the weeks until he can get out of here. I mean, this was in a, we were in a dark place. It was a world of suck. It was a world of suck. Truly, as Emmanuel Sanders would say. Tonight, you've got all the guys, hey, Vaughn, we going to your house tonight? Yeah, come over whenever. I mean, But no, they're talking about going to a house, not oh, yeah. going out to a club or anything like that, because – they already turned the page to the Chiefs to get ahead and get ready. This is a film study thing tonight. Well, it this should isn't be. enjoying them. This isn't enjoying the moment. Guys are talking about how much sleep they're going to get, how they got to do game prep, and how they got to get all the treatment, and how they got to have meetings, and then they have the walkthroughs and practice. And oh, by the way, the thing you got to make sure you do is you get your nine hours of sleep a night to be ready. It was interesting to hear a couple people, t- couple guys touch on that in the locker room. This is the only way you make it through this week successfully is you have to be very regimented and very disciplined, and you can't. This is you can't screw around this week, and that starts tonight. You can't, you can't do your usual thing after a Sunday game. You gotta, you gotta shift gears really fast. 
Derek Wolf had a really revealing quote to me just about the difference between that locker room and this locker room. I'm going to write about it tonight, so make sure you stay tuned to the DNVR.com um, to read what he had to say there because I, th- I found it to be exactly what I thought uh, on the subject of where this team is now versus where they were then. And they two and four, I don't think they see two and four. They see two and oh in the last two weeks, and that's all they – they can see, and now they need to get back to zero and zero this week. Um, and we're not—I don't think anyone here is going to end up predicting the Broncos to win that game. Maybe I get crazy on Thursday when I wake <laughs> up. We'll see. But this team believes that they're going to win, and that—I've said it all last week. It's the most powerful thing is belief. And how about this? In about a hundred hours, John Elway could look one hundred percent justified in saying this team's ready to win now. I'm not trading anyone on our front or whatever that <laughs> word, that F word was, even if it maybe it wasn't even an F word. But he could look 100% justified. A three-game win streak, maybe, you know, they're not actually competing for a Super Bowl this year, which I don't think any of us, unless you wake up on Thursday and you feel like that's your bold prediction that they're competing for a Super Bowl. <laughs> when we get a time. <laughs> I don't think any of us are feeling that way about this team but hey if you go on a three-game win streak and you're one game out of 500 and you just beat the Chiefs on prime time then John looks justified or on the flip side you lose then it's like okay John how many more losses does it take for for it to hit you on what this team is like so we we don't do this with every game we don't do this with every game and say like must win or season defining but it really feels like the Jets game last year. When I said that for like multiple weeks leading up to that yep. game, I said it's season defining. This one's season defining. Man, hopefully this one doesn't end up like <laughs> that one or else it'll be ugly. But this team has, I mean, when they were 0 4, we 100% felt that they were dead in the water. I never thought they would be in this position. All of a sudden, they have a chance to claw their way back into this thing. And if they win that one, this thing could really start rolling downhill in a good way. <laughs> I mean, it's, it wouldn't make sense if I said rolling uphill. But again, they have to be perfect. And I've seen teams over the years that started poorly, got back close to contention, but then because you can't afford to slip up, you have a loss, and then you end up climbing, but clawing back again, and then you have that loss. And if they lose this game to the Chiefs, it may end up, being a season quite like that, where they have a couple of runs where they look good and uh, they ca- they come close, but it may be just out of their reach. They're playing better ball right now. I think they've stopped the bleeding. They're moving in the right direction. Whether they're a playoff contender, I think it's entirely dependent on the Chiefs game. If they don't win this game, then they're going to be kind of in a situation where they're perpetually chasing, perpetually chasing, and it ends up being a frustrating year that you realize was lost at the start. Ah, uh, Mace, it sounds like they're... Setting up for the perfect season of a seven and nine record. Oh well, I, I, after zero and four, I said, "Look, I think they'll normalize the five hundred team the rest of the way," which meant going six and six in the last twelve and finishing six and ten. I know nobody wants to hear that, but most zero and four teams, like the Broncos, with a relatively small point differential in those games, finish between five and eleven and seven and nine. So they go five and seven, six and six, or seven and five the rest of the way. Seven and nine would be right there in that wheelhouse. Wouldn't surprise me if that's where they finish. The only thing that will really hurt their chances of doing so is that nasty little four road game in five week stretch coming out of the bye. All of those road games against teams that 
I would say, have a pretty good shot of being in the playoffs, Minnesota, Buffalo, Houston, Kansas City. All right, before we get out of here, one last thought, and I, and I want you guys to fill in this blank, and I'll start with you, Zach. The Broncos are blank. Could be whatever you want. Feeling themselves. They're hyped. They're ready for Kansas City. They're on a two-game win streak. They're feeling themselves. Mace? Finally moving in the right direction after two-plus years of going backwards. That's a run-on sentence. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. Um, Ryan, let me present something to you. The Broncos are... Finish the fill in the blank. <laughs> the Broncos are better than we thought they were. They're hmm. better than we thought they were. I mean, two weeks ago. Oh, okay. Not better than <laughs> not better than we thought they were before the season started, but they're better than we thought they were two weeks ago. Um, they did get like it's it's. You sound dumb talking about bad bounces about an zero and four team. Now they're two and four. You can point to a couple things and say, man, they really did have some tough breaks in those games. It just happened to look a lot worse because they happened in consecutive games. But, man, you get just one of those. You get the Bears and you get the Jags. One of those two. I mean, if you get both of them, we're talking about a whole different ball game. Just get one, and you're at 500 right now. And you have a chance to you know, move over that line. So, I, you know, we thought that they were – awful a couple weeks ago and i think we're starting to get back to the fact that they're decent i need to see it more though in order to to truly change my entire feeling about this team and the the way you do it is you do three in a row and you beat an unquestioned great team chargers are looking really bad right now (laughs) and they're going to lose to pittsburgh they're looking bad They're not just looking like a a wounded team. They're looking like a bad team. Titans look like a bad team. Exactly. The Titans look like a completely inept team on the offensive side. Real quick, does he make this or miss it? 43 yards. Make it. I'm going to give it to him. What do you think? I'm going to say he misses it right. (laughs) Mace, quick. Wide left. All right. We got all all three things. (laughs) Here it comes. He made it. Oh, oh, no! Oh, post. Wide left. Wow. <laughs> so if it hits the upright and misses, it's still wide left, right? Because well, it bounced yeah. wide. Yep. Yep. There you go. Oh. All right. Uh. <laughs> Good oh, call, Mace. Wow. Oh, I was getting nervous, though. I'm like, oh. Uh, so anyways, yeah, wow. the Chargers, they're bad. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the Titans are super mediocre. They looked Their defense is very today. good. We could have a whole podcast just about how bad Marcus Mariota is. Oh, thank goodness. This was the this was the end of the twenty fifteen draft class as far as being with their original teams, those two guys at quarterback today. Jameis Winston, he'll probably keep his job in the lineup, but five interceptions, one fumble. I don't think he's recovering from that to get an extension in Tampa Bay. Marcus Mariota benched today. So this was the moment that I feel like the Titans and Bucks pro- know that they've got to move on and move in a new direction at quarterback. What draft was that? 2015. Who'd the Broncos take? Well, they took Trevor Simeon in round seven. Right. That was the Shane Ray draft. Okay, okay. But yeah, Trevor Simeon, by the way, in terms of value relative to pick, <laughs> is the best quarterback <laughs> in the 2015 draft class. Yeah, there you guy. go, there you go, Zach. <laughs> Speaking of your things, the Browns are about dead. The Bills, they're cruising my Bills. And did my Cardinals win? Do we know? Yes. 
<laughs> because it, Matt Bryant, proving that he is on brand as far as Atlanta sports goes, misses what would have been the game-tying extra point near the end of regulation. Falcons lose 34-33. Wow. That's hilarious. I mean, Dan Quinn probably needs to be fired because if you're letting Kyler Murray score points on you, that is just shameful. You mean the most electric quarterback? Yeah, uh, in the west on the west. Overcoming coast, the fact that Vance Joseph's of... defenses still can't cover a tight end. Austin Hooper had a big game for the Falcons today. Oh, I'll man. give I'll give this to you. Kyler is the most electric, dynamic playmaking quarterback for a professional team in the state of Arizona. I'll take it. <laughs> By the way, I'm learning something. I'm reading about Arthur Smith, the uh, Titans' <clears throat> offensive coordinator, for now. What's his name? Arthur Smith. I was Jeez, his name too. sounds as antiquated as his He author. was their tight ends coach last year. I didn't know this. His father is the founder of FedEx. Well, yeah, at least he has a fallback plan. Yeah. <laughs> well, why is he doing either. this? He doesn't need money. He must really love football. But, man, his offense is just absolutely inept right now. Matt, Le- Now I look back at last season. Matt LaFleur, now with the Packers, of course, was the Titans' offensive coordinator. It wasn't a good offense, but it was at times a competent offense. This unit out there that we saw at Empower Field today, this is incompetent. This is awful. This is In this era of NFL football, you can't have an offense that's, that is that inept. Sometimes when um, team, like, I actually, I think the Buffs actually did this one time. They had to throw a Hail Mary, but their starting quarterback didn't have a strong enough arm, and their backup quarterback had a stronger arm. So they put him in to throw the Hail Mary because it needed to go like 70 yards or something. The Titans should have a plan. If Derrick Henry can't run the ball in the first quarter, just pull Marcus Mariota because you have you're gonna have to throw the ball and he is terrible when the other team knows that he has to throw. I'm the ball. trying to figure out on their staff who else could call plays. Um, you got Ta- Todd Downing, their tight ends coach, who's uh, been mostly a quarterbacks coach. Oh, he was Raiders offensive coordinator in 2017. Um, Rob, oh, right. Mo- he's the one who replaced uh, Bill Musgrave. That's right. Mm, the young uh, offensive genius. Pat, right? o- yes. Pat O'Hara used to be an Arena League head coach and play caller. He's their quarterbacks coach. I'd say Pat O'Hara, probably the most likely the guy to take to take over in Tennessee. He couldn't if they did replace Arthur Smith. He couldn't do any worse. It's not and, about the Jimmys and the, it's not about the X's and O's, Mace. It's about the Jimmys and Joes, and they don't <laughs> have a quarterback. But they had a, a reasonably competent offense at times last year with Matt Lafleur. Yeah, for sure. And now he's in Green Bay, and now he's winning games. Boy, I mean, I know some people in Denver want the Broncos to get Peyton Manning to be their general manager, to be their president of football operations. Some people. But the Titans would be okay. I bet Titans fans would want that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Peyton lives here now, though. Yep. be a lot of pressure if he went to Tennessee. Peyton was here today as well. Of, of course, of course. He was. He, Part of the Broncos. Has he been to 100. every game this year so far? I, th- I think so. He wasn't missing this, though, because they were doing the 100. Right, right. And he got such a kick out of talking to the guys Friday night, like wa- watching him converse with uh, Rich Tombstone Jackson, for instance. I mean, you know, the, the he's fo- probably like telling Rich Tombstone Jackson about plays from his career that <laughs> Rich doesn't even remember. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Or he probably t- did. Rich- I don't think Rich Jackson ever sacked Archie Manning. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I bet Peyton would if he did. Yes, Peyton Or would if know. he didn't, he would probably know that too. <laughs> ah, you never got my dad. Uh, always... I, I remember you did get three fingers on him once, but he slipped right out. Crazy. No, but that, that was so cool. But that's, that's Peyton. Peyton's forgotten more than most people will ever know. And I will s- gladly put myself in that category. <laughs> All right, I think that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. 
on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Two wins in a row for the Broncos. Right back into this thing. And I'm so happy this is a short week because there's going to be a lot of anticipation for this game. So, again, thank you to everyone who came out to the tailgate. Make sure you come by if you're going to the game on Thursday. It's probably going to be the tailgate of the year uh, out there in Lot N. So make sure you check us out. But for now, we'll talk to you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast. South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful in helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.